Welcome one, welcome all, and welcome back to the ninth episode of the Transform Your Game podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm lucky enough to be your host and moderator here today. I've even gathered a panel of three wonderful Transformers TCG competitors as my co-hosts. Kent? The wheel of fate is turning. Kai? Hey, what's up? And Joel? Hey there. The, the hey there gets me every time, Joel. Um, I have to say that today we're actually in a bit of unfamiliar territory. As those of you who've been listening all along uh, since the beginning might be aware, this is actually our first episode outside of a spoiler season. We started in Wave 5, and every episode in the beginning of the cast has been about that. Uh, but since we here really do try to gear our evaluation of cards and our conversation toward the competitive realm, we're actually pretty pumped to have a more full and clear picture of what cards might be influencing the coming metagame for Wave 5. I can also promise we have quite a bit to say about it. Uh, we'll get to that in not too long, though. Uh, in news for our fellow competitors, Origins officially postponed the in-person convention until early October, although that date, too, is tentative. Uh, if you were making your plans already to attend, go ahead and try to get that credit back from your airline and cancel your hotel. Um, I'm sad to see, or I guess the reservation, I'm sad to see the opportunity to play high-level TFTCG get pushed, but I feel like I can safely speak for all of us here when I say that I think they made the right decision. Uh, it looks like May 29th is still the release date for Titan Masters Attack. However, uh, as we have received no word of any additional delay or additional pushback, We'll update you on all this type of news as soon as we have access to uh, any relevant information about it. In the meantime, you guys should play online. Uh, teleconference, the, the you know, use kind of Zoom calls, things like that. The Transformers Webcam Games Group on Facebook is alive and popping. Uh, what better way to spend all this time inside than breaking the Wave 5 metagame wide open? I know that's uh, what all of us have been trying to do, right, guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> two, two more things I promise we'll get to the main course first we didn't ask for your questions this week I'm sorry uh, I know we got some pretty solid ones last week on the post and we weren't able to get to them because of the absolute deluge of spoilers uh, we'll be answering and discussing those coming up over time but you can always submit your questions to us in the YouTube or Facebook comments you can also message any of us directly if you'd like to remain anonymous but you still want to get your question out there a special shout-out to all those who have asked. We really appreciate your questions, and honestly, it really gets the thoughts moving for most of us a lot of the time. Lastly, here's what we have in store for you today. Thought I'd give you a picture. Uh, but today's going to be a forward-looking roundtable. wanted to each bring things to the table that we feel are going to be big in the coming format. Pillars, if you will. Ranking them is really interesting, but we here struggle with arriving at a consensus a lot of the time. So we thought we'd give you some context to our differing excitement levels and ideas regarding some of the major players from Wave 5. Uh, and get to see some of the debate behind the scenes while we, while we really kind of set our top lists. Each of us has brought a character card we really wanted to talk about today. Then the rest of the crew will weigh in. Maybe they agree, maybe they don't, maybe they really dislike the card. Uh, we'll start with the characters and then maybe get to a viewer question or two. Um, and if you're wondering about battle cards, don't worry, we'll get to those next week. I'm sure that all you guys who are out there listening who have wanted to pull up Computron's Lab to see the cards have by now. <laughs> all right, Kent, why don't you start us off? Cool. The card I kind of wanted us to analyze as a group uh, is one that I'm so, so excited about. I've been putting her, and it is a her, in every deck that I've been building just about, and that is Night Racer. 
Um, most of you guys know she is a five-star SRT, uh, three attack, 11 health, two defense. And while in alt mode, anytime you have a face down or face up secret action, each of your characters has tough one. You flip her over to bot mode. Now she has four attack, 11 health, one defense. And now anytime you have a face down or face up secret action, each of your characters has bold one. Um, she also has a complimentary uh, stratagem called Stealth Mission. And this says for one star, you can have up to two extra star cards that are secret actions in your battle deck. Wow, Night Racer, I'm, I'm so, so in love with this card. She's fantastic. Just a blue player's dream. Mostly because you don't have to she just replaces flame war in so 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 many blue decks and you don't have to flip her to get the ability all you have to do is play you know a plethora of secret actions which you're going to be doing anyway as a defensive player um so it just works out so well and then there's other cards other bots, both in this set and in previous sets that enjoy secret actions, such as Wave 3 Skywarp, which just keeps your hand full of secret actions the entire game. She's a card I've really, really been looking forward to actually owning a copy and not just a proxy. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely very strong. She replaces Flame War in a lot of decks because not only does she have more health, but she also gives that tough one, and she's range, which which is pretty good for things like Arm Hovercraft and Sturdy Javelin. And also just that 11 health is just ridiculously crazy <laughs> for how bulky she can end up being, because even though Flame War has 10 health, it's it just feels different, because she she has the two defense as well. And yeah, it's it just makes a world of difference when she lives by one, and, and Flame War usually just dies at that point. So yeah, I think she's she's very fantastic. This card has a, a lot of good things going for it. Obviously, the the tough one and 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 the bold one also mirrors Flame War. I mean, it's basically just an upgraded Flame War in a lot of ways, um, in a in a defensive shell mostly because of the because of the secret actions which activate her. I think she fits in a whole lot of stuff. Five stars is easy to fit in a whole bunch of things, and she fits really well with the flavor of this set, which seems to be finally a wave that's favoring the team bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, team bad guy. I, uh, I think everyone here and most people listening by now know that basically if a card has a purple border on it, I'm about it. I know that like I, I'm popularized Jetfire, but uh, in, at least in some point, but I, I really do love the bad guys. Night Racer herself is kind of insane. So I will say this. The, the super rares in this set kind of generally feel very much like they're more supporting cast characters rather than like central characters. I think Night Racer does the best job of kind of like filling that role. And the stats on her make it pretty easy to just slot her into almost anything. Uh, basically, a 311-2 with a potential tough one on it is, for all intents and purposes, the average stat line of like a seven-star character, which means this card is... Even if you're playing the stratagem with her, then she's basically still like on curve or above curve on stats, which is kind of insane. 
it's just so easy to slot her into decks. Five stars is really easy to play. Like, it, it just doesn't have very much opportunity cost in your deck. It asks you to play secret actions. That's not hard. Some of the best cards in blue and some of the really good cards in, like, white and orange are also secret actions. Even black. Yeah, even black, too. You know, I was thinking the other day, like, um, I know Joel posted that article not too long ago about playing Night Racer and his stratagem as a way to get extra double oranges into your deck, too, for this Decepticon deck. So even the score was just, like, an actual house. Um, I, I, that was fantastic. Being ranged is so good. And I think the best thing about her is what you mentioned really early on, Kent, which is that she's not flip-intensive. Characters who do not require you to, like, have a very specific flip sequence or who not, do not require you to flip them a lot in order to get the most of their uh, kind of like their build around me effect are innately very powerful because they kind of uh, they help you really have like a focus in your team so character you can really just like basically exploit characters who don't who really are flip intensive but they ask a lot out of that phase of your turn right so that's one of the resources you're managing because phases of your turn are kind of like one of the biggest pieces. And because Night Racer doesn't put a big stress on uh, the flip part of your turn and gives you an active benefit in the combat part of your turn, I guess, or I guess of your opponent's turn, she's just, just phenomenal. Huge, huge fan. Oh, cool. Yeah, and her stratagem, I mean, we briefly talked about this, but what Richard was saying with even the score... I mean, that is so fantastic with something like Spymaster's Ruse, where you're just waiting for them to come into one of your Decepticons on your team, and just you're going to take a lot of damage for any kind of overkill that you do to members of my team. And that may only take one time for your opponent to go, okay, wait a second, maybe I shouldn't be swinging for the fences. And if they're not... They swing for the fences, then they might not kill one of your characters at all, uh, depending on what other secret action is out there. Secret action-based decks, I think, have a, a really positive future looking forward. You know, they just need more ways to make their bots relevant uh, on the attacking side of combat. So if your entire deck is just secret actions and that's it, and even just like a, a small sampling of weapons, you may not be able to push as much damage as you need to. So you really have to think about your deck building critically to make that work out for you. Um, also, Heroic Resolve uh, is the main secret action that I've been using with her uh, because I have been pairing her with a few Autobots. And just, uh, again, Spymaster's Ruse, probably my favorite card they've ever printed. We'll get to that in another podcast. But just being able to, like, have Heroic Resolve just sitting there, just waiting for them to, you know, kill whatever Autobot you have, whether it's Galaxy Prime or, or someone else, it that can be totally devastating to your opponent as they try to load up this huge attack to, to try and take down Optimus. And then, oops, you didn't. Sorry, he's still alive. I was thinking about this, that the one of the cool things about this gives you an extra star card, it gives you extra star cards in your deck stratagems, is particularly the ones that let you play like two of the same card, is that I, I think that the star cards that are double pips, things like Heroic Resolve, things like Mounted Missiles, things like uh, Energized Field, it turns out that you kind of just want those cards to cost half a star 
And when they're half a star, they seem like much more appealing options to me. I don't know about you guys. Yes. You know? <laughs> uh, that's kind of one of the most impressive things about the strategy for me is like the the idea of re making you revalue or reevaluate uh, the cost of your team lineup that those star cards have. So I'm literally one of the guys I played at star cards in the Energon Invitational. Like I clearly see the power level there, and I think there's something that maybe should be given more attention in the game, generally speaking. I think thus far, like people will throw in, you know, a, a random mounted missiles if they've got an extra star lying around, or a random vandalize if uh, their lineup is just 24. And like, well, I really don't want to blow up on my opponent's extra paddings. Those things are good and they're interesting, but I think the double pip cards are where power really lies. And I think we've seen that a lot in the format. So I guess not the format, but like just the game generally. So what I'm going to present to the table is uh, horrible. Horrible is six stars on his alt mode. He's a beast melee. Uh, three attack, nine health, two defense, and when you flip to alt mode, move one damage counter from this to an enemy, and then if you flip to his body mode, he's a melee only. He's a melee only, and then he's a uh, four attack, nine uh, health, one defense, and when you play a black card, do one damage to an enemy and to this. So, previously, before this set, um, if you were thinking burn, uh, range was like the next was going to be in that sentence somewhere. And um, with this set, this set is pretty crazy because there are so many good burn cards that are not connected to range in any way, shape, or form. Uh, magnetic Disarray Function, uh, Precision Fire, and, of course, uh, the Bull himself. Um, this card, he has burst down. I have burst down so many characters with this card and have had my characters burst down so fast with this card even against motormaster and if you don't get the hollow matter projector on motormaster by turn two then that motormaster is gone and then you're back to the same dealing with this, this horrible again and <laughs> yeah he's 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 so fantastic uh it's crazy how just fast he can because you're ain't going to be able to burn multiple times in the turn because you can play an action and an upgrade but on top of that, those actions can burn characters, and the black weapons usually have pierce or something. So you're guaranteeing damage every time you're playing something horrible. And yeah, he's he's just such an insane monster. The first time you sit across from him, if you have not played against him before, that's... I hope... This <laughs> <laughs> is going to suck. But yeah. So initially, I didn't give horrible a lot of, a lot of love. You know, I, I sort of looked at his name and I just really hated this card just because of his name. His name is so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. I didn't want this card to be good just because of the name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in fairness to me and my short-sightedness, the whole set had not been revealed at that point, and so many other cards that go great with him uh, have come out. Kai mentioned several of them that, that just make him such a, a super powerful card. If you... Pair him with one of the with one of the health giving heads. He just can live forever while dishing out so much pain. And he's like the centerpiece of a new kind of a new kind of deck, like one that is centered around almost nothing but direct damage and burning your opponent's bots out. We eat the pig and then together we burn. And so, in a way. This six-star body, which will have uh, a head attached to it, perhaps to make him 
nine stars is like the centerpiece of your deck and and you'll be protecting him flipping him a lot he'll he'll pair with other bots that don't want to flip a lot because of his moving damage ability uh, and you'll be constantly wanting to move damage off him so that he can continue the pain on everybody else on your opponent he is extremely powerful and I did not see that originally but after the release of the full set Horrible may be the strongest bot in in Wave 5. That's bold. High praise, though. I mean, he's clearly very good. I think the craziest thing about this card for me is that he's six stars. Like, it's it's so... I, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Night Racer that including her, as because of her cost, is just really low opportunity cost to your deck building. Um, Horrible is a similar animal, similar beast. Haha. Get it? But <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that like you can play it with one of the one-star heads, I don't know, maybe Kreb, probably the best one-star head for him, make him 11 health, means that he would be seven stars and be like a key component of your deck, but you don't have to waste anywhere near your big, kind of like your big guy slot that blue decks typically do, right, on horrible. Like you should get to play him as this ancillary really, really difficult to deal with threat. I think a lot of the power of Horrible relies in the fact that he's able to help you kind of nuke some untapped characters from time to time. Range is, like, uh, sorry, not range, but reach, like, uh, direct damage has always been really effective at helping you finish off characters, kind of robbing your opponent of turns. But Horrible's, like, burst damage ability is, his capability for outputting it is so, so high that there's a real probability that you just KO characters before they ever attack with Horrible. And, like, I don't even think it's really irregular. I think it's kind of like, meh, I guess I KO this guy, and Horrible's at four, right? Like, it's 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 just kind of insane how how quickly it all it all goes down. Um, this may very well end up being my, like, favorite singular character from the set because he's just so interesting. I really like the incentive for Black Pips, you know. Up until this wave, we really haven't had much incentive to Black Pips, and Horrible is maybe, like, the king of incentives for trying to build your deck in a different style. And I think that's really cool. I think it's really interesting. I like to see the game be pushed in a different way. He's just nuts. Kai, I know earlier you mentioned that, like, the, the amount of burst damage is incredible. What's the biggest number, like, amount of damage you've seen dealt in a turn with Horrible? Off the top of my head, I believe basically magnet magnetic dysway function or dysfunction ray, and then uh, that it was against four characters, Oof. and then horrible did one, and then he played he played a fusion bore, and then horrible <laughs> did another one, and then he flipped horrible, and then he did another one, oh and then God. he swung, and then that character died. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it can get pretty crazy sometimes with 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 the bull. Yeah, I played against somebody who had um, I don't know why he was playing this guy, but he was playing the hot rod from way four, the safeguard guy. Yeah. And uh, horrible, and he got he got the trigger uh, to get like the card under hot rod, so he had multiple actions a turn. <laughs> and I got double camion crashed. Mm. Then he flipped horrible and moved a damage to the guy, and then he put a sturdy javelin and swung him through the sturdy javelin, and that guy died. I think he had no damage on him, or maybe like one or two damage on him. Uh, but it was just absolutely incredible. It was, I mean, I don't know that, that you want to play things like Hot Rod with him, but like I will tell you this, like <laughs> that was unreal to watch my guy just evaporate before my eyes. 
yeah like that's the that's the ceiling of uh, horrible skill scales and you don't even need an extender to get anywhere near close to that like you, know, uh, you don't need to try this or hot rod or any of that stuff even just playing horrible himself and a good amount of black cards even even things like wedge formation or whatnot you'll still do damage and that'll get you there it, it certainly will the the crazy thing to me about horrible is the fact that it's almost like you're playing extra cards on your turn, but they're all direct damage focused. So let's say like Horrible's in body mode and you play Kami and Crash, cool, deal two. Oh wait, deal three. Awesome, now play Fusion Board, deal another one. And now flip Horrible. And now all of a sudden you've, you've dealt like three more damage right there targeted wherever you want. Yeah, and it's like you basically got a free direct damage card for just playing the game, and it's like that every turn with this guy. <laughs> I mean, it, and to to me, it's it's insane that this card is six stars. I've been you know complaining about it to you guys, my teammates, you know, for over a month now. <laughs> you know, it's insane that this is six stars and something like, you know, Mind Wipe or uh, Twin Twist is nine, you know, before you even put a head on it. And it feels like horrible for this ability should have been many more stars than this. Like, I wish it was not not quite as insane as uh, Megatron being 11, but I actually wish this ability was Megatron. Like he's just shooting people with his fusion cannon. Like that to me makes more sense. I don't know that it needs to be that high of star cost. It is 11, but, um, or have 15 health on it starting, you know, I mean, that'd be insane. Uh, but a smaller Megatron with that ability would have been really cool. Really cool. The cat's out of the bag with horrible. The genie's not going back in the bottle. This is our red deck <laughs> wins for Transformers Wave 5 meta. If you cannot beat the horrible deck, do not play that deck, okay? Whatever you're trying to test against horrible, if it can't beat it, or at least hang with it and have favorable matchups against the other decks in the meta, then I don't think that you can play that deck at a, a large-scale tournament. So that's just something that we're thinking about as a team and you should be thinking about too. So quick question. What are you guys' like favorite heads to play on horrible? Grax. <laughs> yeah, anytime I see Grax and Horrible, I'm like, oh <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. You know, I did see uh, I mean I did mention Krebs. I think the the HP heads are are pretty obviously good with Horrible just because it gives you a larger bank of health, so more potential activations of his body mode ability. Um, but I did see uh, Apex on Horrible the other day uh, where he had yes. stealth, and I won the die roll, and I was like, but I want to I wanna attack Horrible. <laughs> and I couldn't. I couldn't attack Horrible because Horrible had stealth the whole game. <laughs> it was very frustrating. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And I took a non-zero amount of damage during that game from his ability. It was frustrating. But, I mean, like... I, I still think that Grax is probably better because when you win the die roll and you have Grax on horrible, I mean, you are just, you are sitting pretty. It is. It's nasty. <laughs> it's 
if you've been listening to our previous podcasts, you know that I am the aggro guy. So you probably think I'm going to talk about Fangry, but I've already covered Fangry uh, pretty in depth in an article on our website. Go check it out. Fangry, the bold new face of aggro. But I also like to think outside of the box. Not saying that my uh, teammates don't like to think outside of the box, but I I'm the kind of person that likes to show up to a tournament with a deck that no one's ever seen before. I, I like to try to surprise people, to try to jump the meta. I tried to do that at EI, and it, it came back and bit me. I'm wanting to rehash that deck that I that I had at EI, and I'm, and I'm thinking about trying to do it with Optimus Prime Legendary Warrior. Uh, I, I, I don't really know about the power level of this card so much. Here, let me, let me, let me read the card to you in just a second. But I'm, not, I'm not sure about the power level of this card being the absolute most competitive card this is a competitive podcast, but because he's Optimus Prime, I think that this card is probably really good, and we just need to find the way to use him properly. So, Optimus Prime, Legendary Warrior, is a leader truck melee in alt mode. Five attacks, 16 health, two defense. When you flip to this mode, draw a card. Then, if you have fewer cards in hand than your opponent, draw another card. When you flip him to body mode, he's ranged and remains a leader. Six attacks, 16 health, one defense. When this attacks, repair one damage from one of your characters. Then, if you have fewer characters on your on the battlefield than your opponent, repair one more damage from that character. He also has a stratagem. The stratagem is not particularly exciting, if for no other reason than because it costs two stars instead of one. Um, it's one of two stratagems that cost two stars. It's called Duty. And, <laughs> and it reads, as long as one of your characters, other than Optimus Prime Legendary, War- Legendary Warrior, has been KO'd this game, your Optimus Prime Legendary Warrior has Brave, Focus 1, Bold 1, and Tough 1. That's a lot of stuff, but I don't think it's worth two stars and having one of your guys KO'd and your Optimus costing at least 15 stars with a one-star head and with his two-star strategy. That is a really high cost. I'm not interested at all in using his stratagem, but if you listen to our initial podcast about the spoiling of this card, we talked at length about the deck that I played at EI, which was uh, Ultra Magnus with Ultra Magnus armor and Vanguard and RC. Now, I I originally thought that 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 deck wasn't going to be functional in the the coming meta because it really looked like it was going to be a very aggressive orange meta, centering around cards like Fangry and Horrible, and it still might. However, with the with the full with the full set released, it looks like things might tilt more back in the blue direction with some cards I'm not gonna mention. So. <laughs> <laughs> the unmentionables. Right, the unmentionables. So if you so my idea is that if you if you take Optimus and pair him with Doomshot as his head so that he's brave, and you have Vanguard and you have you still have RC. The the flip density seems kind of high, but you start with uh, you start with a an Optimus flip so that he can attack and he's brave and he's taking the the initial attack and then you flip him back and and you're and you're healing a lot of damage and then you flip RC and swing with RC for a bunch of unstoppable pierce damage and and then you flip her back and heal more damage. The the life in the deck isn't super high. But with all that healing, it feels like you have a lot more life. So it's a it's an orange-based deck, and part of 
an orange and a white base deck because you want Vanguard to activate. Uh, Optimus and his 16 life means that if you hit a white pip every time that someone attacks him, no matter how hard they swing, he's he's going to be able to survive four swings outside of things like Horrible's abilities. But uh, there have been other cards that have been spoiled that would go great in this deck, like Hold the Line. Uh, I really like Hold the Line. Now, while Hold the Line also would... It, it would give you a secondary way to stop the damage uh, that that's that's coming in uh, because if you were to miss a white pip on your flip, on your defensive flip, which happens sometimes, it can hold the damage down. It also has a green pip, so you can pick it up with other cards like Security Console. You could continually put that back down on top of your deck and only take five every time someone attacks. Plasma Horns would be a, a very good weapon in that deck, which would be another useful white pip because it's going to pump up somebody um, with at least plus one, and it's rare that you're not hitting at least some sort of white pit because my initial build of that deck, since the card's been released, had somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 to 20 white pips. So it's better than cards like Supercharge. Uh, I understand that's a, an action, but it's 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 better than cards like Supercharge because you're going to hit some white pips, and, and sometimes Supercharge... This happened to me at EI. I hit like white, 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 orange, white. That's really fun to do when you hit supercharge. So, so the the deck actually got stronger. I feel like that's one way that you could build it. Um, so another way that you could use Optimus. I, I was thinking some sort of blue black Pierce deck with Optimus having a one star head and Horrible, who we already discussed, having a one star head and uh, Night Racer to give you 25 total stars, and it's a defensive base deck that is trying to pierce your opponent. While Optimus uh, is basically the only one that's that's transforming because he's constantly healing and drawing you more more good cards to play that go with horrible to to deal direct damage and weapons like Energon Axe to put on your damaged characters. So that's where I'm going with that. I would like for him to be really competitive. I'm sure that he will because he's Optimus Prime. <laughs> I'm just not 100% sure that these are one of the ways to go with that. Do you have a plan, Optimus? Of course I have a plan. But what do you guys think about that? Well, Joel, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, I like Optimus Prime. I, he Like when we first got spoiled and we talked about him, like I wasn't super high on him. I do think this is probably one of the worst – Optimuses I've seen, but that was before I understood how Toolbox worked with him. When I saw how Toolbox ended up working with Optimus, I I realized that there's a lot more potential for the character, in all honesty. That card in itself is just absolutely kind of nuts. I'll tell you this. I think that Optimus is the kind of card that's going to be very good in a deck when the metagame reaches a certain specific point. So if the metagame reaches a certain specific point where maybe Pierce is a pretty big deal, um, maybe like there's like some wider Pierce decks, I think that Optimus might be especially powerful in that because I think that his ability to heal can really kind of counteract most of the attacks out of those style of decks. Uh, and he and like he's the kind of card that really will just... You could play him with like a tough head if you wanted to or extra health on the head if you wanted to, but he could very easily wear like some of the armors that reduce Pierce or something like that. Like... Uh, Trithelium Shield, or whatever it's called, right? Um, the I think Optimus is a really interesting card. His stratagem is is 
unfortunately, horrible. I, uh, and not in the way with horrible the character. Horrible the character is actually pretty great, but oh, but not good. His stratagem is not good. Uh, whereas like Night Rage, as we talked about earlier, is a really effective stratagem. Optimus is the kind of character where like I wouldn't be surprised if there was a deck that came out of nowhere featuring him that was like pretty excellent, pretty close, maybe tier one and a half, something like that. Um, I know tiers are kind of like this construct that aren't always super helpful, but I just haven't been able to do it. Like I, I maybe it's a puzzle for a different deck builder than I. Uh, the blue black deck you mentioned, Joel, actually sounds pretty interesting. I might dig into something like that because I uh, basically anything that plays horrible, I'm 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 in to try at least, like, one time. Cool, yeah, I like Joel's original iteration of the Magnus RC Vanguard quite a bit. Um, that that was a deck that could beat anything that we threw at it. It didn't always. Um, sometimes the flips really, really mess things up for it, but the, the main weakness of the deck was bad flips and... The, the life total was just so small in comparison to some of the other teams that people were using at the time. I think you could build a deck very much like that, mostly orange, maybe a third of the deck would be white, and then like two toolboxes and like one pocket processor to help keep you drawing cards so you can just flip RC and like keep just healing 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 over and over and over um you probably also want you know a hollow matter projector in there just in case um especially for vanguard because if you are facing down a horrible deck depending on which one and what build you might need vanguard to live so you put a hollow matter on him now they can't shoot him so that's very positive of course um sparring gear it's an orange pip. You can throw it on Optimus. It can help you flip those whites that you might need if your opponent is swinging for the fences. Uh, Joel mentioned, you know, Plasma Horns. Of course, I think that card is great in this deck. Um, hold the line. Dude, just imagine. Like, you can only take five damage, but you and you take five because you flipped a white. Okay, you got Toolbox on. Here's RC for the flip, heal two. Here's hold the line, heal two. You know, um, maybe here's something else that helps you heal damage. It's not out, out of the realm of possibility for this guy to get swung into for a lot, barely take anything, and then you just heal all the way back up to full health. Um, that's, that's, that is going to happen. There's probably other ways to play this. I mean, I think that blue-black idea is very intriguing. Again, I think you run probably processor instead of trying to flip prime. Um, so you can concentrate on flipping horrible and just let him do his thing of moving damage and causing lots of extra direct damage. Yeah, I really like this Optimus. Uh, he's he's like I've mentioned before. He's basically a different type of puzzle that we that we haven't really been presented with. Um, I did have a build originally with him, with him, Kreb as the head, uh, his stratagem, Fireflight, and RC, in similar play, play kind of similar to uh, Joel's build, but it was more uh, just centered on two brave guys and, and set, in order to pr 
to protect RC, so it had no way to limit the damage, but it would basically still prevent the RC from taking attack. That deck isn't viable anymore because five stars and lower are kind of hard to play now-ish. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, another thing that I thought of with him was uh, him and uh, Six Gun. Basically, with Six Gun, you basically always have, since it's two characters or two tall, you'd be able to always have Optimus in the right mode depending on when he needs to attack and when he needs to defend, as well as just Six Gun being able to be able to be just pumped up super high to his uh with his stats and because you're scrapping weapons with his ability and then you're baby able to refill your hand with, by flipping Optimus to his alt mode and drawing two cards and then Six Gun dies. You just put beef up this Optimus to this like crazy like four plus attack beast outside of that I haven't really played too much with him but I, I do like what this character presents and I hope that someone finds something with him soon because he's been a lot of fun in my testing with him so I totally agree with you Kai uh, Tripwire makes playing a five star bot sort of a sketchy idea to do right now The the on the plus side um, even though you would lose a draw step and you would lose an action and a flip and basically a whole tournament, Tripwire is an amazing card. What makes using Doomshot as Optimus Head and having Brave is that in, in the way that Tripwire is going to be very strong and it'll turn off stealth on a lot of five-star characters, Optimus is still going to have Brave in, in that instance. So while you kind of stole a turn using Tripwire, you're not going to be able to attack that that small bot anyway because Optimus is always going to have Brave. I suppose in some cases, if everybody were to untap and if your opponent uh, had the had the turn after the wheel, which would mean that you're in pretty good shape, probably uh, you're probably pretty far ahead in that at that point. Then they could use Tripwire and tap one of the guys, and so then. It doesn't matter that Doom Shot's on Optimus. They can attack whoever they want, whether it's RC or or Vanguard. Probably Vanguard because uh, they could attack RC and then, whoops, RC still just took five. Sorry. I will say this. One of the things that I've noticed about Optimus when I've played against him, so uh, I've played a absolutely unfathomable different number of decks in my testing lately. Um, but when I do play against Optimus, he basically invalidates some of like the wider blue strategies when he's on the opposite side of the table, right? So like, let's say hypothetically that you have a deck that's like a four wide blue deck or something like that. Maybe it's focused around like secret actions and kind of like building incremental advantage. Um, if your opponent plays kind of like uh, really well, the your Optimus opponent like plays really well, then um, it's going to be really, really hard for you to ever make actual inroads on the most problematic character in the game, which would be Optimus. Played a matchup like that not too long ago, and it took me for a ride. Like it was, uh, it was really, really rough. So if if something like that becomes one of the more predominant archetypes in the game, this might be a character to look to in that uh, specific metagame to kind of like target, or as Joel says, you know, to kind of jump it. Yeah, I'm really excited about this guy. I hope that something comes of it. Um, Right now, th- those are those are the best ideas I can come up with, and I'm I'm not sure that they're they're quite tier one, but th- those are those are my starting points from from where I'm thinking about using this guy. I, I he's got to be the centerpiece of your deck because of his star count, so uh, everything is going to center around Optimus. I'm bringing to the table here today Sky Shadow, 
And I know um, – I think I've even done this before in a previous example uh, on a, another episode actually where we were supposed to bring one character, and I was like, what if I brought the combiner? Um, but Sky Shadow starts out um, on your team. You can play these individually, but you can also play them as a unit. You can play them with uh, Sky Shadow Plane, who is a seven-star plane ranged. It's a 4-10-2 with bold two. Uh, and then Sky Shadow Tank – the other component is a 4-10-2, tough 2 for 7, and it's ranged as well. Uh, there's also a stratagem that comes with them. The stratagem is called Sky Shadow Sync. It's one star, and it basically says uh, if you have this, the plane and the tank in play and one of them gets KO'd, uh, in, when that happens, return that card to the field and combine the plane and the tank into Sky Shadow Elite Warrior. Then pull Ominous out from, uh, I don't know, the ether outside of the game somewhere and put him onto the combiner as the head. And you do this untapped. So Sky Shadow is good in like 50 different ways where characters who are not demanding on your flips mean that your deck building options are wide open. Now, if you're going to play the full Sky Shadow set, that's 15 stars. So you only have 10 to work with. But there are tons of characters who would love to just sit there and flip back and forth every single turn while you're still advancing your game plan with the tank and the plane. One of the other really cool things about this card is that the individual pieces combining and earning you basically another turn via being untapped when they combine means that they're active disincentives to your opponent in progressing the game to the next stage. Because every piece of damage they do to just one of these component cards means that that's damage that they could be doing, they could be trying to spread, or they could be trying to save, or they're earning, or they're moving you towards having a larger threat in play. Because once they combine, it take, the, the cards keeps two defense, it has the, the health total of both, it becomes 20 health, and then it stacks both of their attack and their other abilities onto them. So it becomes an 822 bold 2 tough 2, and when it's combined, it does 3 to an enemy Autobot. Now, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but there are a lot of Autobots that have been in the metagame as of late. <laughs> like the previous, the, previous, the previous metagame, every major deck had Autobots in it. Whether you were the Airstrike Patrol, you could be the Airstrike Patrol with, with any of their normal counterparts except for Megatron. So if you look at Springer, you can shoot Springer for three. If you look at General Optimus Prime from Wave 3, it shoots them for three. If you look at any of the Jetfire variants, it can shoot Jetfire. If you look at any of the uh, uh, Galaxy Optimus variants, you can shoot Galaxy Optimus for three. Uh, if you look at um, cars, there are Cliff Jumper at least, and probably both of the other cars, if you're going to be honest. That ability would have been insane in Wave 4. Absolutely insane. Um, and it's not the only thing that's disincentivizing Autobots like as an archetype in Wave 5 either, if you look at Mag Magnetic Dysfunction Ray, um, affectionately known as Mag Ray. Um, on top of being just an absolute house in terms of stats when it comes in untapped and does 3 to an opposing Autobot, and it's, I should mention it's key that it says enemy Autobot because it means you can play Sky Shadow with an Autobot on your team and you don't have to worry about accidentally having to shoot it for 3 every once in a while. Um, but on top of the stats that are just are already nuts, uh, you put the head you pull in is a three-star head that grants you Pierce Four, so it sets the damage floor on this eight bold two to four. So it's dealing a minimum of four to your opponent, which is absolutely insane. And if you're playing him in a deck with say like more black pips, those just stack on top. 
you know, having bold two and flipping four black pips, uh, eight pierce eight is pretty good for having no weapon or augmentation to your stats, wouldn't you say? Um, especially if blue starts to be something like a semi-popular archetype in the metagame. I have been nothing but impressed with this card over and over again. I also think that uh, the way that like the you want your opponent to deal damage to one of the components in the in the early part of the game means that you get to do things like play with more with cards that maybe haven't seen too much play recently or up until this point like you can play with the brave and the stealth card you can play with uh, heroism which I think the only real uh, place that ever got saw play was in Kent, your combo deck um, like you you can try those cards out because they're you can basically just like control where your opponent's attacking which is one of the most powerful things you can do in the game, honestly. Like, it's a great way to maybe invalidate some of their direct damage because you can kind of spread things out, keep it even, or you can consolidate it and leave yourself with more health on Sky Shadow. But uh, this card, I think, has just been absolutely phenomenal in my testing so far. And he's ranged. I almost forgot to mention that. He's ranged in every possible mode, so he also works with the direct damage cards. Okay. Spiel over. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta follow that? <laughs> yeah, th- this guy, I love this guy. What a incredible set of cards he is. It's it's pretty cool to see a combiner that is this competitive. I love the fact that the tank mode is just a straight upgrade to Hot Rod and the fact that he has, you know, just four attack in both plane and tank and <laughs> You know, you put that with some piercing cards, that's pierce four easy. Um, and then combining into this just massive, massive dude. Now, again, he's taken at least 10 at this point, but mm-hmm. there's other ways to like jack up his health, say energy pack or enhanced power cell, you know, stuff like that. Plus, he's got the bold too tough too. I mean, wow, slamming your opponent for eight. Two defense, the tough two, if you've got any blue in there, it's going to help his survivability quite a bit. The the pierce is nasty. The three damage to an any enemy Autobot, Galaxy Prime, Jetfire, Perceptor, whoever else, like this guy, you're going to see him at a lot of the top tables. Yeah, every time I see Sky Shadow, whether it's blue shell or orange shell, he, he always impresses me because he has that bold two and the tough two when he's combined. And that just, when you get to that point in the game, it if you didn't have a, if you couldn't draw into a backup plan and deal with that before, you're in for a rough time because that guy is going to do at least four damage because of the ominous head. But on top of that, he can flip more black cards because of, because of the bold two. Or when he defends, he's going to flip more blue cards because of the tough two. And it's just... And he has eight attack, which is largely the highest attack you can get in the game without like Optimus Maximus or something like that. <laughs> so eight attack is already impressive enough. So it with that bold two, yeah, he he gets pretty up there. And he when he swings, it's people people run because that guy's gonna hurt. I really like this guy, but I have to be a wet blanket for just a moment. Um, I think the the biggest problem with him is his star count. He's going to be – he's 14 stars with just the bots. And then when you throw in his uh, his stratagem, which makes him 15 stars, you you just can't play him with his best partner, which would be Autobot Whirl. 
Because he's 12 stars. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, Whirl is so bust. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sorry. 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 Okay. So I'm sorry. That was my uh, my obligatory Whirl is, is horrible card. Uh, anyways. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Sky Shadow is amazing. I think one of the greatest things about this card is that for one star... Uh, the the stratagem you're getting an extra three stars worth yeah. of bot with ominous. I mean, if when 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 he gets KO'd, which is gonna happen, the dude actually only has ten health maximum uh, at at least at start at the start because uh because somebody has to be KO'd for him to be combined. It's not like a traditional combiner where you play you play an enigma and he combines and. It's it's only if one of the guys gets knocked out. So at a maximum of 10 health, but Ominous himself has Pierce 4. So he comes into play, he deals 3 to an Autobot. He swings for at least 4. He's either defending for a lot or attacking for a whole lot because of the bolt. And then when you knock him out, well, they get another free bot on top of that. They're, mm-hmm. getting, they're getting Ominous, which... Depending on the way you built your deck, you're you're not going to just swing with ominous for two and and deal two pierce. So so there's a there's more guaranteed damage. I mean, just bringing this guy into play is almost like saying your opponent is starting. Like having this guy as one of your bots is saying your opponents are starting at a eleven guaranteed damage to start without anything else besides that. So if if they don't have a, a high a high health count, it's not gonna. I mean. This is just starting them at a huge disadvantage. This card is very, very good. And 10 stars does give you a lot of leeway for for partners. You could run two five stars. You could run Night Racer and Flame War if you're wanting to play a super defensive deck. Uh, I mean, Night Racer plus Flame War plus Sky Shadow Tank. That tank might sit there and live forever with uh, four. <laughs> so uh, yeah, th- this guy is fantastic, and I and I love the guaranteed eleven, basically you know quote unquote guaranteed eleven damage because Pierce can be stopped, but but it's not easy to stop. Now as as big a deal as Pierce is becoming, people might be more ready to just to do things to try to stop it. It's true. You gotta watch out for stable covers coming up. But he still has a attack in that sense, that, like in in that instance, right? Yeah. Like oh, stable cover, you can't pierce. I'm like, okay, well, attack for nine because I put an armed hovercraft on him or something. <laughs> I, I'll tell you this, you know, there was there were some things that I even forgot. And Joel, I can't believe that you mentioned it before me, but you're totally right. We talked earlier about the, how this this stratagem of uh, things like characters like Night Racer means you get to reevaluate cards because they cost a half a star instead of a star now, and as far as your star count goes, uh, the stratagem for uh, for Sky Shadow. Is makes ominous a one star head. Ominous is absolutely busted if you consider it a one star head. It has three health, so that means it doesn't die to things like marksmanship or sturdy javelin. It doesn't die to armed hovercraft, which several of the one star heads do. Uh, it, it has a guaranteed damage floor on it. It comes in untapped. It's a Decepticon, so it can do things like, uh, uh, like its partners here. It can do things like it can wear a Scoundrel's Blaster, and then you're a guaranteed four peers four. Like that's absolutely unbelievable. The relevance of the of the character once it comes off is just another benefit. I don't know, man. Like this is almost like having three characters for like the price of two. It's almost it's kind of like having like three and a half characters for the price of two, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like, basically. 
Um, and that's just in, in a game where width is kind of a really, really important thing to try and maintain over the course of the game, and something that I think Titan Masters do a really good job of helping you preserve. Man, this guy just he just will not go away ever. <laughs> He's around to the some aspect of this around to the very end of the game every single game. And it's really, it can be really frustrating or really good for you if you're on your team. That ought to do it for our discussion of the characters right now. Uh, I think we're going to call it there as far as that, that discussion goes. Uh, like I said, we are going to go ahead and do something similar in regards to some of the more key battle cards, like maybe next week. Um, we wanted to answer a viewer question before we let all y'all out of here, though. Uh, this week's question is a three-parter, but they're not very long, uh, all from Sean Hamilton. See, Sean, I told you we'd get to your questions. Um, anyway, uh, Sean asks us first, uh, I have a question for next time. Uh, each podcast member, who's your favorite wrecker in the wave? Um, I'll, I'll take this one. My favorite wrecker is Autobot Whirl. <laughs> Autobot, <laughs> Whirl. Autobot, Autobot Whirl gives me endless chances to talk about how terrible Autobot Whirl is. He will not stop ragging on that character. That might be the worst card. I mean, I understand there's probably worse cards, but come on, this is an SRT, man. This is not this is not Wave One Sergeant Cup. This is an SRT from Wave Five. This card is awful. This card will never see play. I would be shocked if this card ever sees competitive play. And his stratagem, his stratagem Ooh. especially. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, pop, pop of attack. Is, pop of attack is rough. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think my favorite one is probably Topspin. Actually, um, I think Topspin is so cool. I really like cards that give you active incentive to play mixed pip decks. Um, defensive bold makes me really excited. I just think that sounds super cool. Even if it's not the best thing in the whole world, I do think it just sounds like a really interesting thing to try and build around. Um, I have not given up hope yet on Topspin as far as. Uh, trying to build decks with him. I've been trying for a while, and I don't really have anything super promising at the moment, but I'm not done. I do think if you're looking at the scaling of some of the like, smaller characters, Fangry, Horrible, like their quality, most of the 8 and 9 stars, you know, with the exception of obviously Perceptor, um, they don't scale in stat and effect quite the same way. I think Topspin eludes that. I think he's the exception to that rule. I think he's easily the best 9-star uh, body and he's also not very flip intensive. I really like Topspin. Um, a specialist is a really interesting uh, type as well because it means you can do things like uh, wear sturdy armor, which is obviously going to be very good in the coming metagame still. So yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Perceptor. Um, this card's been talked about to death, and that's one of the reasons we didn't mention it on this podcast with our uh, uh, you know uh, character breakdowns today. But yeah, this this guy is incredible. I love drawing cards, and I also love making my opponent squirm and feel uncomfortable. That's another reason I play combo decks. <laughs> and this guy really makes that happen. Um, I love revealing four cards to my opponent and just watching them. The expression on their face on webcam games is is fantastic. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Perceptor all the way. For me, I'd have to say Twin Twist because <laughs> um, uh, he he's I don't think he's going to be super competitively viable mainly because of his cost, but just the idea of a drill tank that's always doing damage regardless of when you flip him is pretty cool. All right. Uh, well, I think we have. 
We have another one from real quick, and uh, basically, I think we may even have some idea about this already, believe it or not, but uh, for each of you guys, what SRT is your favorite from this wave? We have seven to choose from, so, you know, lots of lots of options. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to have to say Windsweeper. I don't think that plane deck is really going to be there, considering the power level or everything else went up way more than probably the planes deck, but just what Windsweeper does for the plane archetype is just really fantastic and is a good stepping stone for next wave, wherever that may be. And yeah, that yeah. art is so good. Yep. Yeah, this may surprise everybody, but my favorite SRT is not World, even though I'll probably open like six of them and they'll <laughs> sit in my binder forever because awesome. that card is awful and untradeable. No, my favorite my favorite is Decepticon Pounce. I love this guy. He will go in a lot of a lot of blue decks that uh, that are just sitting on S, uh, uh, SRTs, sorry, that are just sitting on secret actions, and he is going to be huge and a massive beater for just eight stars. I think uh, you know Pounce is actually really awesome. I uh, I wish you hadn't taken that one. I would have t- would have said that one. But in the interest of being different, I'm going to extol the virtues of Night Racer. Uh, Night Racer is. Awesome. She is way above the curve on stats, a really relevant stratagem, not very flip intensive, cool art, um, Decepticon, so obviously she's the best faction. Uh, and, I mean, just kind of does it all. I can work in an aggressive or a defensive deck. Like, it, man, just absolutely a bonkers card. Well, you guys took the uh, three Decepticons, so uh, <laughs> I guess I have to go with. Autobot Whirl. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, it, like Pounce is. I'm. I love playing that character in Night Racers. Going in everything that I build these days. So yeah, probably those two. I actually think uh, Wind Charger is n- not that bad. I think he's pretty decent. I don't know that Cars is going to be tier one right now but there are some other places where that card for seven stars swinging for seven on the initial attack is actually pretty relevant in some decks so uh, you may see him popping up later on as people start to experiment more with their team lineups yeah i think wind chargers want to keep an eye on i also think windsweeper you know kai you mentioned windsweeper earlier like windsweeper is the kind of card that reeks to me kind of uh that this is a card we need to watch over the course of time yes like windsweeper being so the fact that it doesn't make you play all planes just some planes like you don't have to lean all in to the ability which means the number of deck building options you have going forward with future character designs is really high like it's going to be a very customizable card even though it's 10 stars and the fact that even your non-playing character can cycle its damage onto Windsweeper when he's in bot mode is also really awesome. Being playing in both modes is very good. Ranged, obviously. Like, there's so many things going in favor of Windsweeper that uh, I would be shocked if at some point down the line that was not a character in one of the Tier 1 decks. Maybe not this wave, but eventually. All right. Um, we have one more question real quick. Uh and this one's also from Sean. We're going to cover all of his this week, and then I think that'll be the only ones we've got. Um, we'll save some of the other good ones for next week. Uh, when a new wave drops, how much product do you each pick up, and what's the way you most enjoy opening it all? 
Cool. So what Joel and I do, Joel and I have been, I mean, very close friends since second grade and we played magic together. And of course now, you know, we're on the same team for Transformers. Uh, but what we did last wave and what we're going to do probably for every wave after is we're just buying a ton of boxes and kind of splitting up what we get. I think we've got 10 ordered right now from our LGS. And yeah, we're going to see what we get out of there and then try to trade for whatever SRTs we don't get. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what we do. Sometimes we sell cards also. I think this time I might let Ken open most of the boxes because the SRTs I'm going to open are all going to be Autobot World. Yes. All, all World. All but by so, default. so if, if Ken opens a box, it's more likely to have a, an SRT in there that's relevant than instead of Whirl. So anyway, sorry. I I, I had the bag on Whirl. It's was, that, was that the third time someone's bagged on Whirl in this cast? Yeah, and they've all been me. <laughs> no, I think Ken was one. Yeah, Ken and was it, one. You, you know what? We haven't done this cast. Oh, no, don't worry. I mentioned extra padding. Extra padding. Extra padding. Extra padding. Oh, you did win? Oh, yeah. Oh, I did. Okay, Listen okay. back. I promise. I yeah. promise. Don't you worry. I yeah, got yeah. it covered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Kai, what do you do? Uh, so what I usually do is I usually get a case um, wherever is easiest because my LGS is actually 50 minute drive from me um, with no traffic. Commitment. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an ordeal sometimes, uh, but I usually get a case whether it's from online or from my LGS. And then from that point, it's usually if I see some packs at Walmart or Target, then um, they get yoinked and then <laughs> I go from there. But I don't think that part's happening anytime soon so yeah yeah i uh i'm i'm you know i'm kind of do something similar to you guys like so i've got a couple of, of uh guys that i play really regularly with um well i mean i guess before all this went down in austin and we normally uh try to each get a couple of boxes and help fill out each other's uh like like play sets like we try to get like at least three of every card um one of one of the guys, he uh, he tries to get two places every every card because he hates to change sleeving, but he he also buys the most packs, obviously. Um, and then I, I normally end up kind of at the end of things, maybe buying like two or three super rares. I guess like I, I mean on in the previous thing I just bought like one. I've been very lucky to open some like really good packs, um, so I bought like one or two super rares from the previous sets. But in this wave, I wouldn't be shocked if I had to buy like maybe two or three. But I think they might be possibly a little bit cheaper. Who knows? Because there's just more super rares being opened going on. Um, yeah, guys, if anybody wants uh, a whirl, just like, <laughs> just like mail me a pack, and that's probably what I'll open. Will you, will you sign it? <laughs> will you sign my whirl? If you mail me a single pack and it has a whirl in it, yes, dude, I will sign it for you. Oh my god, that sounds so fun. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, now that we've gotten through our question of the week, uh, wherever you're listening, we're glad you stuck with us through all this. Uh, tell us what you thought. We'd love feedback on this format. It won't always be how we cover things, uh, but it was something we thought would be an interesting way to kind of dive into our first forward-looking pro- uh, podcast with like a full idea of what the metagame might contain. Um, and feedback from all of you is key for us in order to keep things interesting and high quality. Uh, we have links in the description, but hopefully you can find this podcast's future and prior episodes 
on a place most convenient for you, whether it's iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud. Uh, Kai, are we on Spotify now? I, I think yeah. we are, right? Yes, okay. we are. Spotify we as well. Week, so. Add that to the add that to the list. Um, and I believe that ought to do it for episode nine. Before we let you go, if you find the input and information here valuable, you can find more strategy, analysis, tournament reports, and more like it at transformyourgame.net. And until next time, clear eyes, flip bots, can't lose. <laughs>